This is a show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve Him and their neighbor, for whom the words of the Creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is a show for those like you and me who make the conscious choice to follow Christ outside the walls. Well, it's a little overdue here, but first things first, I want to welcome all of those of you who are joining us from uh, from Redeemer Radio in Indiana, whether that be in uh, in South Bend or in Fort Wayne. Glad to have you here, and I'd love to hear from you. Join us over on social media as well, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. I'd love to know who you are and where you're listening from. I want to know specifically, how do you grow in your faith? What have you found helpful or interesting as you seek to, to grow in your knowledge of God? Back in my Protestant days, uh, before I became Catholic, there was this, uh, this quote that went around, I think it was by Billy Graham, who said, if I knew that there were only five years left until Christ returned, I would spend three of those in seminary. And I always thought that that was an interesting um interesting thing because it's, you know, it's education, it's uh, bettering ourselves. Why would that be the thing that we do? Well, if you go back and you look at the life of these original missionary disciples, the disciples who became apostles, um, they spent three years following in the footsteps directly of Christ. And yes, that that included um, social and it included the, the service, but it also included sitting at the feet of Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher, and listening to the things that he would say. And I think that we are so saturated these days in information at our fingertips, we can go and Google something and find it, that we haven't taken the time to grow in wisdom to follow a specific course of study and not just say, oh, well, I'm curious about this thing. Let me type it in. And then five minutes later, I'm sated and I don't have any other curiosity about it and I'm finished. Let's, let's look at what it means to follow Christ through this search for wisdom. And so today I, I want to talk to you about something I came across recently. And uh, I, I've been interested in it in a while, but I, I saw this Facebook post that piqued my interest about a certificate course from the Sacra Doctrina Project. So first, we're going to talk about what the project is, and then we want to talk about that certificate course. And to talk about this, we have Dr. Ryan Brady as our guest. He's a founding member of the Sacra Doctrina Project, assistant professor and chair of philosophy and theology, and the director of online studies uh, at St. Jean Vianney Seminary uh, down in Miami. So uh, way down at, at the other end of the country for me, Dr. Brady, thanks for being with us today. It's a pleasure to be here, T.L. Thank you so much for the invite. So first and foremost, um, there are some fantastic scholars, call for scholarly papers, uh, looks like some kind of a, uh, a conference that you all hold together where papers are presented. But it's much more than that. That's kind of what I thought it was to begin with until I saw the certificate course. What? Give me the whole broad scope. What is the Sacra Doctrina Project? All right. Yeah. So you mentioned the desire to kind of not just know things piecemeal, but, but to know how the whole of theology kind of relates to each other and get a real sapiential understanding of what Christ revealed and how it applies to our lives. That's very much what we're after, is uh, seeing theology from the point of view of how the different parts of theology, biblical theology, moral theology, even canon law, how all of it relates together, and then how we can live our lives. 
but with a view to becoming wise, to just focusing on the truth, to know Christ, who himself is the truth, and not relegating him to the realm of the practical. Like, I want to know Christ so that I can go do something. Certainly, it's good to be a missionary, and we should. When we know Christ, we want to go share the gospel with him. But our, our focus is, in a certain sense, on just knowing who Christ is, who his church is, what the church has uh, the way the church has mediated the teaching of Christ to us and to understand it in a real sapiential way. So sapientia just means wisdom. So in a, in a truly wise way, the soccer doctrina project was founded by myself and some of my uh, fellow students when we got a doctorate from Ave Maria university mm-hmm. and soccer doctrina just means, well, holy teaching but it's St. Thomas's way of referring to theology. So it's the theology project, but understood from the point of view of the perennial teaching of what the church has always understood about theology and the way we should do it. And part of that perennial way of doing theology is not to relegate it to the realm of history and say, well, what's the historical conditionedness of any particular teaching or what did St. Paul really have in mind? And wouldn't he teach something different if he like was in our circumstances? It's not so much focused on that sort of thing, because oftentimes that ends up, you know, minimizing what scripture is actually saying. Instead, we're focused on just what is true. So we're not focused on history, on the historical conditionness of things, although that's important to some extent. And we're also not focused on just practical applications. So, you know, Saint, since we follow St. Thomas, St. Thomas's goal, you, you might know that the uh, motto of the Dominican order, because he was a Dominican, is actually to hand over to others what you've contemplated. So, quote, contemplata alii stradere. So, it's important to first contemplate and be wise and know the truth. And then, yes, we want to go share it with others. And so, that's why our project not only includes Things like academic conferences. We're having our second, by the way, coming up on grace and sanctification next year. And you can find that at our website. But we also have things like the certificate program and our said contra podcast. So both of those things share the fruits of what we've contemplated with others, even though we also do have things like our uh, conferences and we're starting a journal, Luke's Veritatis, et cetera. Mm-hmm. You're talking some about how theology is done, and I think that's a worthwhile discussion because we do have this uh, this pragmatic way that we have maybe bent theology towards of, of a historical critical method of looking through and doing various kinds of study about Scripture and trying to get to some heart sense of, of what was actually present at the time. And I think there's some benefit to that kind of direction. If it's done in tandem, if it's not our only approach, uh, and you talk about in in the mission page of Sacra Doctrina Project, you can get to that at sacradoctrinaproject.org, um, that theology is speculative, right? We're not just retreading the, the parts of doctrine that have already been handed down. We're looking and trying to explore how theology relates to the world today because theology is not this, this completely um, boxed boxed up and finished 
thing. We have a living society, we have a living faith, and so theology continues to probe those areas of our world today. You talk about it being sapiential, which you've already brought up, uh, rooted in tradition and rooted in reason, and sometimes we can head too much to one or the other, um, and working as loyal disciples. So I look at this these kind of headers of the mission of the Sacra Doctrina Project. And I think back to St. Thomas Aquinas at the end of his life as he's having this mystical experience um, and and God asks him, what do you want? And his answer is, Domini non nisite. God, I want nothing but you. And for, for us to adopt that posture of St. Thomas as we come and we approach theology— uh, it's we're not doing the theology, as you said, for the pragmatics or for our own knowledge or to show how good or smart we are. It's because in this pursuit of theology, the stu- the- theology, right, the study of God, uh, we want nothing but God and all his fullness and all he has to offer us. Amen to that. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that the need to actually still apply what we learned to today to understand how the tradition is essentially living. Mm. You kind of suggest that. So I just wanted to say that I fully agree with that. Maybe I made it sound like, Oh no, no. we're just focused in the past. No tradition is living. And so there's a growth and a development of doctrine. And we, our first conference actually was on that. It was on the development of Christian doctrine that Matthew Levering was, was the speaker for. And so it is really it's wonderful to be a Catholic and to have this great appreciation of the inerrant word of God. And yet to be able to see that that word, even though it's sufficient for our salvation, it's only materially sufficient. It needs to be brought out uh, through the living tradition, how it applies to our lives and the traditions constantly growing. But I think our project is just focused on, look, can we make sure that we're not subjecting all of the beauty of the Catholicism and the church to just the realm of the practical, because then once we do that, sometimes then our principles get messed up. They get askew. We forget about it. We want to throw them out the rent, the window in order to get with the time sort of thing. Yeah. And so what Vatican II was trying to do was to say, look, we want to keep the tradition, but also get with the times. And that's the, the challenge, right? Is to update, but in a way that also is going back to the sources. Well, and the reason that we update in any given any given point in history is to be yeah. not more relevant but to be effective witnesses amen it's the whole whole purpose of uh, of going out the, i mean you look at the the life of christ himself as he's teaching the people he's doing so in an intelligible intelligible way with the parables he's meeting them right where they are so that they can meet with god it's not so that we can meet with the people, it's so that the people can meet with God. And that's, we become in that way, bridge builders along the lines of, of the pontifex, right? The, the, the key bridge builder. Uh, we become co-missioners in the gospel with, with the, the, the Pope, with the whole host of the church, both living and, and those before the throne of God, part of that communion of saints, um, rooted to history, right? We never leave that behind, but pressing forward for engagement with with 
well, it's not even pressing forward with engagement. It's it's creating opportunities for today's world to be able to see Christ in the midst of them. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the things I'm looking here at the the members page of the Sacra Doctrina Project, and I see just a whole bunch of names that I recognize of just fantastic scholars. So before we get to how do we join in the certificate pro, uh, program, what kinds of things are offered, maybe there's someone who looks at this and says, I want to be a part of this project in a larger way than just taking courses. What does it look like to become a member? So you've got founding members and affiliate members. How does someone say, you know, I've got some thoughts about this. I'd love to write a paper. I'd love to submit something and be something outside of just those certificate courses. Absolutely. Thank you for that question. Uh, we, we do have a kind of a tiered system. We have the, some, advisors who are senior scholars, such as Father Thomas Joseph White, mm-hmm. Chad Pennell, Stephen Long, Scott Hahn. Uh, but then we have the, the founding and full members and then affiliate members. So somebody who's joining would come in and show an app, send an application to be an affiliate member. However, uh, I should point out that since we are a kind of an academic society, uh, we usually want people to have terminal degrees or be on the way to getting one. Mm-hmm. So that is a little bit prohibitive, of course. However, we do have, uh, like, we, we run the Thomistica.net website mm-hmm. uh, that I'm the editor of. That actually comes under Soccer Doctrina as well. And there we have uh, various articles pertaining to St. Thomas uh, Aquinas in some direct way. But anybody could submit uh, an application or not an application, a proposal for something to be published there. So that's one venue in which somebody could participate. And then also they could come to our conferences or even present. You don't need to have a terminal degree or be on the way there to present at the conference. If you have a good paper uh, that's worthwhile to be presented, then uh, you, could, you could possibly present at the conference, anybody who's interested. So for that, again, go to our website and look at the conference, and then you can look into submitting a proposal. I think the proposals for the next one are due by December 15th. Um, So yeah, ways to participate if you're not exactly on a path to getting a doctorate or an STD, it's called, but a doctorate in sacred theology, one of the either a PhD or an STD, if you're not on that path, then you could Uh, get involved by going to the conferences, applying to, um, to present something there or possibly publishing on Thomistica. That's all I can think of at the moment, Mm -hmm. but we do also have our, you know, you could listen to the the podcast and get to know us in that way. Yeah. Again, we're talking today with Dr. Ryan Brady, who is a founding member of the Sacra Doctrina Project and teaches out at St. John Vianney College Seminary in graduate school in Miami, Florida. Um, so you're talking about the terminal degrees, you're talking about um, the this academic level of study, and it seems of late that, I don't even know how of late, it seems that, that scholarship in and of itself, we appreciate it from a distance, but there's kind of a, maybe a dismissal of pure academia. That we look at it and say, well, that's that's um, unhelpful, it's not useful, it's ivory towers, it's people who are out of touch with reality. 
Um, they're just doing their thing over there and, you know, we, education's really expensive and we can't really get into that. And so we just kind of dismiss the importance of the academy, of academia in and of itself. How would you respond to that? What's the benefit that you see and the, the essential nature of scholasticism, of the, um, the prod project of, of learning in our society today? Yeah, that's a big question. I mean, my first reaction was almost like, amen, because <laughs> most <laughs> of the, most of the academic work is not worthy of, of your time. I mean, that, that's very true. And it's not scholastic. It might be scholarly, but it's kind of like faux scholar, scholarly work. Uh, so much of higher education has become just about, you know, trying to cater to people's feelings or whatever to it's, there's not a lot of academic content. Um, so like in my case, when I was looking, I wanted to do biblical studies and there was nothing that was really holding to the teachings of the church ever, you know, from Providentissimus days all the way back to St. Jerome, of course, but the teachings of the church in, in regard to scripture being inerrant, uh, where it's hard to find somewhere to study where they believe that, yeah. that we can really appreciate scripture as our authority. Um, and so I, I apply, I was looking around and I could find almost nowhere. Like I said, I ended up applying uh, to Ave Marie university. This is when I'm getting my doctorate. Um, before that I went to Christendom, but they didn't have biblical studies either. So um, with biblical studies in particular, it's pretty difficult to find something solid, I think. But thankfully, Ave Maria did have a good program. And so that was the only one that I applied to. That was a doctoral program. And I got in and went for it. But otherwise, I wasn't going to waste my time. Um, now, <laughs> the, uh, if there are other places I've learned subsequently. I mean, there's some good things being done at CUA, at uh, Notre Dame. It depends on the program, but, mm -hmm. you know, you can find some good stuff other places. Um, but for the most part, I think my point is just that there, there aren't a lot of great places to study and do higher academic scholarship. After a while, you will come to know some, though. So what is the value of really getting a, of getting a terminal degree and really diving into something? Well, precisely that you can really go deep into something and not just have a superficial soundbite knowledge of things. How many, the reason why we have such virulent division on the internet is because people latch on to one idea and they have not looked into all of the nuance of it. The reality is as you become more educated, you realize there's different positions, there's valid positions on both sides a lot of times. There's some principles that are absolutely rock solid and we have to hold on to. For example, whatever scripture clearly teaches, whatever's in Denzinger, whatever comes from, you know, infallible statements, we hold on to those things. But a lot of times these debates, uh, there's, there's valid arguments on both sides. And if we really want to know the truth, then we have to be able to look at both sides. That's one thing. Um, but another is that in order to really dive into something, you really need to be in a, have time just to sit down and read books for a few years. I mean, that's why St. Paul was there for three years studying and in the yeah. desert. I think you, you need that. St. Jerome had his aeromedical stage before he went out and, and translated for Pope 
Damascene. You need time that you are in solitude almost to really get into things. Well, and let's, uh, I, I don't know that a lot of people really have a sense of, of St. Paul. You know, we, we know about him yeah. and his conversion at Damascus and we know about his letters, but we, there's just this little line in there that talks about he went away for three years to study, to make sense of everything before he began that teaching ministry. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just so important. Aristotle spent 30 or 35 years at Plato's feet before he decided to launch out and do his own stuff. Mm. And, you know, it's, you need time to process some of these ideas that are so beautiful. Why is that? Because all of these ideas are primarily in God's mind and God is infinite. So if these are true ideas, they're present in God and we're trying to penetrate the truth and the truth transcends us. Even the truth on the philosophical level is a transcendental. And it's something that takes a lot of time to really apprehend. You can always do more. And so it's, it's not, you can't relegate a lot of these really profound principles of Christianity or of philosophy to just a soundbite. And it's beautiful when you have time to really look into them. And I believe it's Plato, but it could have been Aristotle. You're going to, you're going to set me straight. Uh, who said it's the mark of an educated mind to entertain an idea without accepting it. And so often we think that, well, if I, I can't even think about that, I can't even look at your perspective because that would in some way diminish my own uh, stance right here. Yeah. To be able to look at something from all angles. And really St. Thomas Aquinas does this beautifully in, in the Summa, right? He, Before he even gets to his opinion on any question, he's going to state three other opinions that he doesn't agree with and typically state it better than the people who disagree with him. And then after he's he's obviously thought about these ideas and, and sat with them for a long time before rejecting them, then he's going to get to his point. But it's that that mark of that educated mind to entertain that idea, to look at it, to look at all sides and look at the nuance and explore it without accepting it. Good. Yeah. And also error helps us to know the truth. If we didn't have heresies, we wouldn't have the councils, right? Right. If we didn't have people saying Jesus wasn't God, or if we didn't have people saying that Jesus only has one will, we wouldn't have the clarity coming from the other side. And so oftentimes even, even considering the something that's wrong will help us to purify our understanding of what's right. And so that's, you know, what happens with with a lot of the heresies on both sides, there's something true. Those who are saying that the Trinity is three natures are right about the three, but they're not right about that it's three natures. Those who are saying the Trinity is just one person are right about the one, but not about the three. And so considering other possibilities helps us to really understand, well, what is the truth? Oh, that's right. It's three in one way, namely persons, but as one in, in regard to the nature, you know, that, so seeing both sides helps. And that's the scholastic disputation that we're aiming for in the Soccer Doctrina project to some extent, um, because what, Saint, what was happening in the Middle Ages in the schools was that the students would come in and all have prepared objections, and they would list off like 12 of them. And then the master would come in and say, well, against this, here's this authority from scripture or something. And then he would say what he thinks, and then he would respond to all the objections. Now, what we have in the Summa is a condensed version of that. Yeah. But St. Thomas has the same thing in his in many of his other works, such as De Veritate and elsewhere, where there could be 12 objections. Imagine doing things that way. If we really took time to think, okay, well, what 
maybe I disagree with you, but there must be something true to what you're saying. And let me try to understand that and see how that relates to what is true. Um, but uh, this conversation so far, though, has been largely focused on trying to kind of uh, appreciate other people's ideas. I do want to say that also it's important just to say, what's tr- what do I know is true and to proceed from there in a logical way? We want to hold on to what we know is true and then gradually grow in our understanding. And that's what soccer doctrina is. It's a science because it's rooted in principles we know because God has revealed them. Right. And then we go forward with those principles as laid down and try to understand other things. Now, so that means when we're dialoguing with others, we shouldn't throw away those principles, mm-hmm. but we should try to understand what they're saying in view of the principles. I think very often we, we know this thing about unchangeable doctrine. Uh, and so we, in our interlocution with someone else, we'll stand firm to something that maybe the church has left open. You know, the, the, we do have really settled doctrine, but only in certain places. And there is room for this speculative theology. There is room to look into these, these corners of how uh, the, the revelation of God interacts with the culture today. And so I think that there's, we, we don't like to be uncomfortable, and it's uncomfortable to go into those areas. So part of this is being educated enough to know the difference between those places that really there is a settled doctrine and those places that there is room for speculation and curiosity. Yeah, very important. Yeah. And um, it's important to get that right, obviously, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> you you want to be speculative uh, about the things that are, are, there's freedom for speculation. Yeah. You know, I mean, some of the things that Origen was playing around with, or even St. Thomas with the Immaculate Conception, uh, before they were defined, you know, you could play around with them. But once they're defined, you don't want to mess around. Right. You right. know, and so it's, it's valuable to learn what, what has been laid down definitively, but then when there's room for dispute, go for it, you know, and there's a lot of very interesting uh, discussions like pertaining to grace and justification or predestination, all sorts of interesting matters where there's uh, room for debate. And, but knowing the confines of the debate can really help, you know, I think of, think of Chesterton who talked about like being on a plateau and you have certain laws or rules. And in this case, I would say like dogmas that keep you on top of the plateau. If you, you can run around on the top of that plateau and have as much fun as you want debating. Uh, but you shouldn't, you know, push over the principles or the rules that are established. You're also going to go tumbling down the plateau to your death. Yeah. And if, yeah. so we can have lots of freedom as Catholics to debate things, but we just want to make sure we stay on top of the plateau. We're not tumbling down to our damnation as we're debating. Yeah. We're talking today with Dr. Ryan Brady about the Sacra Doctrina Project, sacradoctrinaproject.org. When we come back, we're going to be looking at some certificate courses, some ways that you can grow in your faith by engaging your mind and looking through the the tradition and, and the doctrine of the church. It's a fascinating discussion, so don't go anywhere. But do join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. And come and talk to me. Tell me about the ways that you have already been growing in your faith, what you've found helpful, what you've found interesting. And then come right back here because we're going to continue this conversation right after the break. 
You're listening to Outside the Walls with T.L. Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. And our guest today is Dr. Ryan Brady, who's a founding member of the Sacra Doctrina Project, sacradoctrinaproject.org, just to make the the, uh, the website difficult to remember, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's the whole name with a .org at the end. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Brady is an assistant professor uh, Chair of Philosophy and Theology and the Director of Online Studies at St. John Vianney Seminary and Graduate School down in Miami, Florida. Um, you, you, often we hear about seminaries, and we know that seminaries are for those who are discerning uh, the priesthood. Uh, and so we think, well, that's for, that's for them. I'm a layperson. I'm, maybe I'm already married, uh, or maybe I'm just very secure in my vocation. I don't I don't need to get that education or I shouldn't think about it at a seminary, but you've got that right in the title, seminary and graduate school. Um, so you've got master's programs that are not the MDiv and not the ST, uh, STL. What would that, what would that look like? Where you That's are? right. Yeah. So we don't have the ecclesiastical degrees. We, we have an MA, a master of arts in both philosophy. We have one in philosophy and one in theology. And uh, yeah, we, we try to reach out to everyone. So the priests, of course, are ultimately being trained in order to share their learning and in order to give the gift of sanctification, ultimately through the sacraments, they're there to save people. But one of the things priests are doing is learning in order to share their learning with others. And so since we're teaching them, why not teach others? We're kind of hitting, killing two birds with one stone, as it were. You know, they're going to be going out and sharing what we're teaching them, but then why not also teach others right now as we're teaching them? So that's kind of what we had in mind, especially as one of the local uh, programs in theology from uh, one of the local universities had shut down. There was a master's program that shut down. We thought, let's fill that space. Um, and so we offered online, though, so that anybody can take it all over the world. And part of the reason for that actually is because we have seminarians in mind. So there's other seminaries in, in countries that don't have easy access to seminaries so they can send their students to our, our master's program to fill in certain holes in their education, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are kind of, we've got a big tent here. We're trying to reach out to seminarians, but also certainly to lay people that are interested. And the way that that program looks then is such that it's not just directed to priests it's certainly or seminarians. It's not with a view to becoming a priest, but simply with a view to knowing. So we have theology, and in that theology program, uh, we have courses in Christology, a lot of the same courses that you see in the Soccer Doctrina Project, we actually have in our master's program. So we have courses on the catechism, one on faith and reason, uh, you know, Trinity, Christology, biblical theology, moral theology. We have all that. And, um, and then in the philosophy program, we have courses 
related to the whole history of thought. These had courses in ancient philosophy, medieval, contemporary, and modern, and also courses on faith and reason, etc. Um, so both of the programs are very worthwhile. And uh, so certainly if somebody ends up taking one of the certificate classes and is interested in going further, then they could look into our master's programs because we actually have a lot of the same professors that are teaching in the master's programs as we have in the certificate classes. Well, let's talk about the certificate classes now. It's a completely different institution. It's it's the Sacra Doctrina Project is the, the certificate granting uh, entity in this case, and not the not the graduate school. Um, as I'm as I'm looking at the course offerings at sacradoctrinaproject.org, uh, it looks like a seminary course of studies. I mean, the the courses that you have here are enticing. Um, moral philosophy and theology we talked about, uh, Christology and sanctification, providence, grace, and evil, theology of the states of the Christian life. Uh, mystical theology, sacraments, and liturgy. What does the certificate program look like? What if someone wanted to join that? Of course, the sign-up deadline is tomorrow, right? September twelfth. Uh, so we've got to get those in. You should do it today before you before you forget about it. Um, but if someone wanted to participate in that course and maybe they're on the fence, can you lay out kind of a uh, a framework for what they can expect? Uh, after they sign up? Absolutely. We have a very clear way that any particular class is done. So I'm going to speak about the individual classes first, and then I'll give a bigger picture. But in an individual class, there will be 10 modules. And in each of those modules that are accessed through our online learning management system, which is called Canvas, and it's easy to understand, uh, there'll be a lecture. So there's 10 modules, 10 lectures. At the end of each lecture, there's a very simple quiz to make sure that this that the student uh, did listen to the lecture, essentially, and also that they learned something. So there's 10 lectures, 10 quizzes, and then there's also a three to five page paper uh, that can be done on any topic the student is interested in that is integral to the course, and that's approved by the professor. And it doesn't have to be a real academic one either. So it could be based just on the lecture or on some of the simple readings. Um, so it shouldn't intimidate anybody. It's just to get your feet wet. And since I mentioned the readings, that varies with the professor and with the class Sometimes there will be hardly any reading, and sometimes there will be 10, 20 minutes of reading, okay? Um, but yeah, so each class then, 10 modules, and takes however much time that might take to study for a quiz and do a little bit of reading. So those are called, that's a class that I just spoke of. We also have course groups. So each class is a part of a course group. And that may give you an example. When it comes to, say, sacraments and liturgy, we have a class on the foundations of sacramental theology, and that is one particular class in the course group of sacraments and liturgy. So if you were to take a course group, you would have to pay for the for the three different classes, and but then you would get a real rounded out picture of the whole of sacramental theology, even including liturgy, because that's an outpouring of sacramental theology, and it's that in which 
our sacraments are found, you know, the liturgy is. So it will give you a full picture to take all three, but you can just take one. Mm -hmm. So um, also one of these then is considered to be roughly a third of a college course. So one particular class, such as Foundations of Sacramental Theology, would be a third of a college course, essentially. And if you took all three, it's like one college course. So you could say, if you're trying to figure out how much time do I will it take, well, just think in terms of that. Yeah. If, if I could take three and it'd be like having one course, how was it for me in college if I already went? You know, at least that's one way of, of understanding it. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, we have these different course group titles and you mentioned them, but should I run through them briefly or, or what? Let's, how do, you let's do. And, and I think that the order that you've got them here on the, on the website is, is good because we start with this foundational, uh, starting with moral philosophy, which I think is a great place to begin that study. It's what we do with our seminarians. We put them through years of philosophy before they ever touch theology because it's learning how to think about something. So let's start there at the beginning and, and maybe just unpack them as, as much as you want to. Great. Thanks so much, TL. Um, so let me point out first that this is the title of the certificate program is to mystic ethics and spirituality. So that is the focus. Eventually, we would like to have one pertaining to systematic or dogmatic theology, another for biblical theology. But right now, these are all pertaining to the realm of ethics and how we should live. All right. So keep that in mind. Now, so mystic ethics then is going to be the first one. Why, why to mystic? We haven't, you know, well, St. Thomas is the common doctor. So let me just point that out first. We keep talking about St. Thomas. Why? Well, he's the common doctor of the church. In moral theology, St. Alphonsus is actually the doctor of moral theology, but St. Thomas is also uh, an expert in that and the one to go to. In fact, Pius XI said in his encyclical Studiorum Ducem to go in a special way to St. Thomas for ethical considerations. And also St. Thomas then just kind of gives us the foundational principles that the church has always accepted. Okay, so what are those principles? That in, in as much as they relate to ethics, that's what we do in this course. Okay, so what about things like object, intention, and end? How do they relate to the moral life? What about principles like you shouldn't do evil, like good may come of it? As St. Paul says, you shouldn't in Romans 3. Well, you know, we, we get into that. But from a philosophical point of view in the first class, so we wouldn't be so much speaking about St. Paul, but we would be talking about how there's some things you should never do that you can get from philosophy in general. You know, there's some things you shouldn't do. So we talk about that, talk about what the object of the moral act is, et cetera. Um, and then in moral theology, we get into further depth, but from the point of view of theology, what's been revealed. And then with particular moral issues, we get into a whole range of issues from the environment to homosexuality to just war to uh, contraception, you name it. So there's an individual module on various hot button issues in that. So that's the Thomistic Ethics course group. And that's taught by myself and Dr. Taylor O'Neill, who now is at Thomas Aquinas College uh, teaching there. Next, we have Christology and Sanctification by Dr. John O'Neill, who teaches in the master's program here. Uh, and 
that then goes through first the generation of the word. And that's from before the incarnation, you know, from all eternity, the generation of the word from the father. So this is, we've gone from the practical to the pretty foundational, right? But all of this is going to be with a view to how we're sanctified. So it's still ethics, but it starts with generation of the word and then incarnation and then redemption, right? So notice that culmination in the Christology group would be, it would be just how is it that we are sanctified? Why did God become man? Well, he became man so that we can be redeemed and sanctified. So that's a, a really fascinating class because who is God? Right. Why did he choose to become man? And then how do we get sanctified? We've got time for one more course. Break All out right. just one more for us. Great. So how about the Providence, Grace, and Evil class? I, Dr. O'Neill is... Uh, and wrote his dissertation and a book on this. On, so it would be a really great class that I'd like to put a plug in for. So there he goes through providence, grace, and predestination, sin, and the problem of evil. That, now, the second two are not quite prepared yet, but they'll be out by the spring, most likely. Right now, we have providence all ready to go. And certainly, that would be a great place to, to start. If you don't have to go through this whole program, so if providence and just in predestination are really interesting to you and you want to understand it from a found foundational principles that we get from St. Augustine and scripture, uh, then take that. You can just take that providence class, see how you like it. And then in the future, go on to other classes that explain predestination in terms of Providence. Yeah. yeah. We're talking today with Dr. Ryan Brady, who is a founding member of the Sacra Doctrina Project, sacradoctrinaproject.org. Uh, and they've got these beautiful courses, these certificate courses to grow in your faith uh, and not only to get some additional knowledge, but to basically give you a platform to be able to then go forward and go deeper from. Uh, you can learn more at sacradoctrinaproject.org. You can sign up today. It's low cost. Um, and if you sign, uh, tomorrow is the deadline for this specific round of courses. So I want, I want to encourage you to go ahead and go do that over at sacradoctrinaproject.org. Uh, Dr. Brady, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. If you missed any part of my conversation with Dr. Ryan Brady, or you want to go back and listen to it again or share it with your friends on social media, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Maybe you forgot what the, uh, what the, you didn't have time to write it down while we were talking. You forgot the address and you want to sign up for a certificate course. Well, just listen again over at OutsideTheWalls.com and you can find that URL, SacraDoctrinaProject.org, so that you can go and sign up for the course. Maybe you want to hear those course descriptions again or share it with someone, maybe entice them into it. Remember, the deadline is tomorrow, so we want to do that quickly. And while you're at the archives, you can go through and find another one of the Sacra Doctrina Project members. Dr. Taylor Patrick O'Neill joined us back in March of 2020. Um, this I love the archives because I, I get to go and revisit fun conversations and interesting topics. And specifically for those of you who are just now joining us over in Redeemer Radio, you can go back through and find things to listen to on your commute or uh, at times when we're not actually airing on air, you can go and, and just fill your, <laughs> fill your whole day, right, uh, with the program. Uh, if you can't get enough, if that's you, you can't get enough of the program, hey, there's even more 
uh, because we give extra segments each and every week to our wonderful Patreon support community. The Patreon community helps keep us on the air. Uh, and in in gratitude and Thanksgiving, we give uh, an extra segment every week with our guest or another guest on the same topic. Um, I want to encourage you, go take a look at it, see if that's something you're interested in, and uh, and enjoy all the extra fun content that comes with that. Uh, you can find out more by clicking the link in the top right-hand corner of the OutsideTheWalls.com page. Uh, it says, support the show hyphen Patreon. Just click that, look through, peruse. There's some free segments there just to kind of give you a taste of what's what. And now let's go ahead and turn our attention to our readings from scripture and from church history. That's the sound of our Verbum library launching up. Verbum helps you read scripture in light of the tradition, in light of church history and teaching, putting the magisterium at your fingertips with just lots of dynamic cross-referencing, and uh, it's it's really a truly fantastic thing. Learn more by going to verbum.com. Our reading from Scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus told his disciples a parable. Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? No disciple is superior to the teacher. But when fully trained, every disciple will be like his teacher. Why do you notice the splinter in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the wooden beam in your own? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove that splinter in your eye, when you do not even notice the wooden beam in your own eye? You hypocrite, remove the wooden beam from your eye first. Then you will see clearly to remove the splinter in your brother's eye. That reading comes from the Gospel of Luke. I've always looked at this specific passage as if uh, Jesus is talking specifically that the the beam and the speck specifically talking about sins, right? To look at, um, well, you are in the middle of sin and you're trying to point out someone else's fault. And I've looked at it almost like the pot calling the kettle black kind of idiom. But today I wonder if there might be another way to look at this. Could it be, because we're talking about uh, something in our eyes, we're, you know, the, the beam or the speck in the eye, uh, could we be talking about the way that we view the world? Uh, our worldview impacts everything. It impacts the way that we approach every situation. And so could it be that this is more a, a sense of before you try to correct the way that one of your brothers views the world, make sure that you are viewing the world in an unobstructed way as well. Um, I'm sure that it does still also relate to that idea of of sin. But look at look at this as Jesus starts this saying, "Can a blind person guide a blind person?" Well, they know both fall in the pit. Talking about being trained, talking about seeing the world rightly. Are are you blind, or are you someone who has been given sight by being fully trained? So looking at it in this way, it makes me wonder, you know, this is something that even uh, even Dr. Brady brought up at the beginning, is that as a disciple, we become more effective disciples when we are fully trained, fully instructed in who Jesus is and in what he requires of us. Yes, that can be done in any number of ways, and the church is filled with examples 
of doctors of the church, of mystics, of ascetics, of people who come to that knowledge of God through different means. So by no way am I saying that the only way to achieve that is through um, through higher education or through academic rigor. But what I, what I do think is that we have to be able to pursue truth, however that comes to us, and we should not at any point be absolutely convinced that we've made it. In fact, we see this in Scripture as Paul, the, the, the great apostle, the, the writer of all of these epistles, says to the people, he says, not that I have already obtained it, but one thing I do, I press forward toward the goal of the higher calling, right? The, this, this is the attitude I think that we ought to have. Not that I've already already attained it. I don't think I'm already there, but I'm going to continually pursue this deep knowledge of God in whatever form that comes, whether it be through devotion, whether it be through uh, Eucharistic adoration and listening to the words of our, our pastors uh, that they give us in various forms, or whether it be through study. And the saints give us beautiful examples of chasing after and studying uh, the, the doctrine given to us, studying the scriptures, studying the tradition of the church, studying philosophy and letting that form our minds so that we can more clearly look at the bright things of God. So I, I want to encourage you, as we look at this today, let us not be a blind person guiding a blind person, uh, but let us fully listen as a disciple, listen to the teacher so that we will be fully trained and be like our teacher. And of course, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of academic rigor. I'm a big fan of looking into church history. It's one of the reasons that we do our readings from church history every week. And so this certificate course uh, from SacraDoctrinaProject.org is really, truly an excellent opportunity that I hope that you will avail yourselves of. Our reading from church history comes from the first instruction by St. Vincent of Lorenz. And before we get into this, uh, this sounds like a very modern concept and idea, but he lived in the fifth century. And so let's just put that in the back of our minds as now we hear. Is there to be no development of religion in the church of Christ? Certainly there is to be development, and on the largest scale. Who can be so grudging to men, so full of hate for God as to try to prevent it? But it must truly be development of faith, not alteration of the faith. Development means that each thing expands to be itself, while alteration means that a thing is changed from one thing into another. The understanding, knowledge, and wisdom of one and all, of individuals as well as the whole church, ought then to make great and vigorous progress with the passing of the ages and the centuries, but only along its own line of development, that is, with the same doctrine, the same meaning, and the same import. The religion of souls should follow the law of the development of bodies. Though bodies develop and unfold their component parts with passing of years, they always remain what they were. There's a great difference between the flower of childhood and the maturity of age. But those who become old are the very same people who were once young. 
Though the condition and appearance of one and the same individual may change, it is one and the same nature, one and the same person. The tiny members of unweaned children and the grown members of young men are still the same members. Men have the same number of limbs as children. Whatever develops at a later age was already present in seminal form. There is nothing new in old age that was not already latent in childhood. There is no doubt, then, that the legitimate and correct rule of development, the establishment and wonderful order of growth, is this. In older people, the fullness of years always brings to completion those members and forms that the wisdom of the Creator fashioned beforehand in their earlier years. If, however, the human form were to turn into some shape that did not belong to its own nature, or even if something were added to the sum of its members or subtracted from it, the whole body would necessarily perish or become grotesque or at least be enfeebled. In the same way, the doctrine of the Christian religion should properly follow these laws of development. That is, by becoming firmer over the years, more ample in the course of time, more exalted as it advances in age. In ancient times, our ancestors sowed the good seed in the harvest field of the church. It would be very wrong and unfitting if we, their descendants, were to reap not the genuine wheat of truth, but the intrusive growth of error. On the contrary, what is right and fitting is this. There should be no inconsistency between first and last, but we should reap true doctrine from the growth of true teaching, so that when in the course of time those first sowings yield an increase, it may flourish and be tended in our day also. That reading comes from the first instruction by St. Vincent of Lorenz, and this is further articulated by um, by St. John Henry Newman in an essay, which is really a book, uh, called On the Development of Christian Doctrine. And it's one of the things that brought him from being an Anglican in fully into the Catholic Church. And it's a beautiful thought and an exercise to, to look at how the church has developed over the years uh, for the sake of humanity while never altering itself, right? That's the big thing. It grows to meet the new area, but it doesn't change what it is. Um, Dr. Peter Kreeft wrote a book called Catholic Christianity, which is kind of his exposition on the catechism. It is a catechism of sorts. And when talking about this idea of the development of doctrine, he says, the church does not have authority over sacred tradition because she is not its author. Its author is Christ. She can interpret it and draw out its inner meanings, but she can never correct it. She can add to it, but never subtract from it. And when she adds, she adds from within, organically, as a tree adds fruit, not mechanically, as a construction crew adds another story to a house. And this, I think, is a beautiful picture. All and it's the same thing that St. Vincent of Lorenz said to us as well, that those things that change are the things that were always there. And so it always benefits us to go back and to study and to be grounded and to develop in our faith so that we can see and know what was there from the beginning so that we can understand what is safe, true development of doctrine and what is alteration that we should stay away from. 
Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Today's show is brought to you by Kerry Carlson and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link, and consider joining their number. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.